Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Dope Black Podcast. Uh, this is the Dope Black Dad Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. Today is uh, very exciting today. Uh, is it Lanray? Is that how you formally say it? Because because I'm going to tell you yeah. something here. So what happened in my oh. primary school? Yeah. <laughs> in my primary school, there was a guy with the exact same spelling. And he told me his name was Larry. And he got so upset at me. He was just like, it's Larry. I was like, bro, that doesn't say Larry to me. That says Lanray. So the, the apprehension was the school trauma of the boy's school being devastated that I guess I'm calling him Larry. But I think he's English. His parents gave him an anglicised name, basically, innit? Is that what's, that's what's happened, basically, innit? No, no, no. We need to stop. Are you... Are you joking? I'm dead ass serious. He was Larry. Bro, I did that. Did you serious? That's wild. <laughs> did we go to the same part? Don't chat. Nah, Where did you go? We didn't, we didn't go to the same part. It definitely Where wasn't did- you. No, but I did that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I, 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 are you are you playing me, bro? I'm dead serious. I did that. I'm dead serious. How do you know we didn't go to the same primary school? Because I know for a I, fact. I mean, no way. St. John, oh, St. John's the Baptist in, in Hoxton. You didn't go there. Uh, Probably not. I don't remember the name of the place I went to. be honest. <laughs> you can see, look. Uh, say, no, I went to St. Dominic's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went to St. Dominic's. Um, that's mad. So, yeah, I... I did that. I was, I was, oh man, that's a story in itself. I was, um, <laughs> you know, because people couldn't pronounce, you know, I did, I, at least I, I thought people couldn't pronounce Lanray at the time. And it's that kind of trying to, you know, anglicize and slip yourself into a white man's world. I was like, okay, well, they, they'll, be, they'll be able to say Larry. Okay. Yeah. Larry, Larry. Yeah. Cool. So call me Larry. And, and that, that changed. Uh, I'll tell you when that changed. I did a show. Um, I used to act quite a bit. I did a show called Fallout, Roy Williams. It started off as a play um, and then he developed it for a, uh, into a film to a, for Channel 4. And um, I remember I met um, a brilliant, uh, beautiful human uh, and actor called Emel Amin uh, during that process. And it's someone that prior to joining the show, I'd, I'd seen he was on the bill and he was out here doing his thing and he was, you know, quite well known. And he was, uh, so I, I looked up to him quite a bit. And I remember um, having a conversation with him and, I, and we took each other's number and I, we were on the phone to each other one time. And I said, hi, yeah, it's Larry. He said, what? 
mm-hmm. I said, it's, mm-hmm. it's Larry. He said, who's, who's Larry? He said, how do you spell your name? I said, L-A-N-R-E, yeah. And it was like, yeah, Lan, Lan Ray, isn't it? Lan Ray, that's your name. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was really young then. I was young. I played, I played one of the, um, anyway. And so I, um, from that day, um, pretty much was like, oh, wow. And he just schooled me. And it wasn't like a schooling. It was like he he held the mirror up to myself, and I and and I was finally able to look at that mirror because it was through the lens of someone that that you know has gone through his own journey as a black man, as a as a black person, and in terms of having to slip into this world uh, and into a certain kind of view of what it means to be X, Y, and Z. And he was like, no. No, 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 no. Stand strong. This is your name. People will learn how to say it. So, yeah, anyway, that's a, that's a long last time. And then your last name is like Mala Olu. Is that right? Mala Olu, yeah. Mala mm. Olu. It's a beautiful name, man. I, f- I feel like we, we sh- shed a piece of ourselves when we don't say it because it, it allows people to get away with, like, bastardizing our names and, like, not bothering to attempt to try to understand and open their mouth mm. to say our, our, our words and our, our names in our true tongue. So... I, I try, you know, I, unfortunately, my name is hella colonized, so I have no choice. Mm. But <laughs> yeah, I hear you. If I could dial yeah. it up, I would, yeah. bro. You know yeah, what? It's funny because yeah, yeah. what taught me the lesson is I went to South Africa and then, like, there's all Svisos and there's, like, I was calling Toboho, I was calling them Toboho and or Tobogo, and, and they were like, what? <laughs> I was like, like wow. it's a bit like in France when you say it wrong, they just genuinely don't understand what the hell you're saying. It's not even like, <laughs> it's not even like they're, they're being arrogant. They're like, what, who are you referring to? And I still can't click. Yeah. So there's a fashion brand called um, Mossa, and I can't say it freely. Mm. So it's M-A-X-H-O-S-A. And it's the most beautiful clothing yeah. brand. Yeah. I can't do the clicks. Yeah. So when I say uh-huh. it, it, they don't even know who I'm talking about. Yeah. They're just looking at me like, what the hell did you say? So it's really important <laughs> that I lean in, lean into it. And I try to give it Contact integrity. brother beatboxing or Yeah, bro. But it's, it's so God. beautiful and authentic. It's just important that we learn, man. All of us from the diaspora, especially. 100%. And I, and I, and I make the conscious effort on both parts now to... Because, you know, it's not like we can all be guilty of it, even as black people trying to pronounce other black people's names. Right. And so I really take my time and say, look, no, what's your name? And, 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 and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. I've got a story. There was this one time because it's always interesting with with uh, white people sometimes when it comes to names. Right. Uh, I know every black person who has a name that is a, of a certain level of difficulty has gone through this. And this brother, who shall remain unnamed, mm-hmm. I was for in now. this theatre venue for now. <laughs> I was in this theatre venue, right, doing the about to do this show. He comes up to me, right, and he was like, "Okay, so how do you pronounce your name?" I said, "Lan Ray Malolu." No, 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 just Lan Ray. Relax. Relax. That's the first step. Release your jaw. Release your jaw. Lan Ray Malolu. And then he eventually got it after a few times. Right, comes up because he wanted to pronounce he wanted to pronounce it right to 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 present present me before I do the the, the piece I did. So he gets on stage now. <laughs> okay, everyone, yeah, for now we have a show. We've got Lanray Malalu, and he just he just he just quickly because he he, he didn't even want to try to attempt it. He just 
did the same. He went to default that everyone, they all go to default in. I was like, oh my God. This is right before I went on the stage, you know. I was like, this guy just butchered my name when I went through it with him. I did a workshop with him for 10 minutes. Anyway. <laughs> Typical, bro. Um, I oh. think, um, so it's weird because I feel like I know you even though I don't. So I go into this mode of like behave, treating you like you're a long lost friend because um, you feel so familiar to me and I've done, I did it on the last call as well I was just like yo don't worry man I got you man just let me know and like we'll just like get involved and then he, you, you were just mm. like no but like talk to me about what you understand I was like no. I was like, oh yeah in my head we've been cool for years so mm. <laughs> excuse if that happens but it's like that it's for me oh, it's that that black familiarity of just like I feel like I know you without actually having to have a deeper conversation but I think for mm. the for the wider audience's sake, I think it's of value for them to hear your story. How many forward mm. slashes are in your name currently? Is it like writer, director, producer? I don't, and, and I say that with honor actually, because like we oh, we no. you, you, there really is a skill in in the things that you're doing. But how far do you get before you stop? Because I I'm so also similar. I'm technically a strategist, mm. a business owner. I'm a broadcaster. Mm. I'm a children's author. I'm an adult author. Presenter. But yeah, so, but really, I just be like, hi, I'm on. Because it, it's long to do it. Where, where do you I'm start and begin? Um, it's a beautiful question. And, it, and, and it's something that I've actually, um, I, at the beginning, I grappled with. Well, I say at the beginning, which beginning? When I really started to kind of step into all these different roles that I have put the groundwork in for, Right, because they say jack of all trades, not master of none. Well, no, no. If you if you put the work in one creative field, you learn things that feed into another creative field. But you still have to use that as a groundwork to then learn the the techniques and the and, the, and then and the, and the quote unquote rules, and then you can break them and then you can merge them together and all those things. But I've done the work, and I've also done the work without knowing I've done the work. So as a writer, for example. You know, I used to write lots of little different poetry bits. And when I was, you know, I used to run a dance company. So when I did that, we used to kind of merge movement and 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 my poetry. Um, but I, I would never have called myself a writer back then, right? So, um, but then obviously since then, I've been doing a lot of it. Um, so yeah, to cut to it, man, I just, I don't know. I ain't, so, I ain't, I ain't solved it, to be honest, but I call myself, yeah, my name. And then I say, I am a writer, director and choreographer. Um, and also have a background of, of acting and, and, you know, I'm, I dip into it every now and then on very selective projects or my own work. Um, but those are my main fields. You know, I have, in a sense, produced a lot or co-produced some of the stuff I've done in, in, in the past. And I know the world very well after working from, you know, from and with uh, various producers. But I wouldn't I wouldn't put that in, in the, um, the hyphens and, and the slashes. So, yeah, director, not yet, yeah. yeah. Director, writer, choreographer um, for theatre and film uh, and TV would, would, would be the thing that I'd say. Yeah. Tell, tell us about your your earlier years. I feel like um, as a creative and um, being a black man um, raised in this wonderful, fine country that we have, like that doesn't seem mm. normal. I think there's a slight generational divide, and and, and get, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like. Um, people in their mid to late 30s now early 40s now had a very different landscape to those who are like 25 to 30 now and I look at someone mm. like a John Boyega for example and feel like if he was raised 10 years earlier he probably wouldn't have been able to like have the career he's had because what, it was like criminal number one two three on the bill there was yeah. like Emil yeah. Amin there was uh, yeah. Idris Elbow but he was on Family Affairs on Channel 5 
There was yeah. like Alan Jackson from EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was Jeffrey Patrick Fri- Robinson. Patrick Robinson. Patrick Robinson, EastEnders, and yeah. the Bill. There was who I worked with as well. Yeah. There's Jeffrey from The Fresh Prince who made it to the US and he was a butler. Like, yeah. Who were the black male actors? Like, like, and I'm not, when I say that, and I don't mean to dismiss, dismiss people like Reggie Yates did Grain Chill, um, Arnold Oseng did Grain Chill. There were things, but like, it wasn't mass like it is now. Um, mm. how, how do you, what was the just start of that journey for you trying to be a creative in an era where I don't even know if being a black creative was honored as much? Um, I think I think one of the one of the big things for me there's two parts to this. There's the part of my fa- my family, and also the the again I go back to the word foundations, right? Of of um, how I started and the avenue that I went through. The avenue that I went through was via a place called Anishir Theatre, which is this mm. weekend arts college in North London. And it's now called uh, Young Actors Theatre. But at the time, it was called Anishir's. And in my heart, deep down, it's always going to be Anishir's, right? Yeah, same. And so, bro, my mum, I remember so clearly being on the 30 bus with me and my sister. And I used to go to the top of the bus, double-decker, and uh, pretend I was driving the bus with the. Ra- they used to have railings. These talking old school buses. They used to have the railings on the on the front. And I used to pretend that I was driving all the way to Angel from Hackney from from Hackney Wick, Rora's Hackney boy. And mm. um, back then, and my mum took me there. She 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 loved us there. You know, every Saturday, it would be a little three pounds we'd pay, and I'd just be in that class and I'd just be able to you know, because I had energy, man, and just be able to just siphon that through into into acting right so it's this weekend at arts colleges for acting and that built and built and I was like okay I really I love this I love this and attached to Anna Shears they've got this class called or they had this class called the the YPs the young professionals and um I just remember at the time going that is I I need to get into that class because you know obviously you know Richie Yates went there and and brother Kaluuya, Daniel, Daniel was Daniel Kaluuya was in my in my class and was in the class before as well, but in the young professionals and and loads of different people, right? And I was like, oh wow, this is incredible. These guys were out there working, doing things and and um doing what they love. And I was like, and they're getting paid? Mm-hmm. Good money. And mm. um, so I was there. And I, without Anna Shears and without the teachers there, without Evelyn Dewar, you know, who's one of the incredible teachers there, I just wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be doing this. What, what? And I don't know if, because I saw other black boys who looked like me doing this, like Reggie, like Daniel, like all of them. You see what I'm uh, and, and what was the, what was happening outside of that environment? Because that's a really privileged environment, even though it was like, you know, to ask my mum for three pounds to go and do anything in addition was unworkable. So if even for me and my family, it wasn't even possible. What was happening outside of that bubble? Like, was it celebrated? Was it like endorsed? How was it in school versus like when you went into that space? Was it was it as open and welcoming? It's interesting that you say that because actually, like, even though the upbringing and the things were, you know, there were hard times in it, that three pounds was was a, was wasn't necessarily a stretch but like when you think about when i think about it now that was so cheap because now it's you, yeah, 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 nowhere. yeah you can barely buy a, a food for three pound and it's barely bro yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a mars bar price now bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. i remember i remember when 
I remember when I was like, oh, this is the real, this is a sidebar, but I remember thinking about inflation the other month or whatever. And I was like, from time Freddo has gone from 10 pence <laughs> yeah. to, I think it's 60p now. I said, what? Mad. Um, and 90s babies will know know what I'm talking about, I think. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, man. Um, I think... I think my mom, you know, she she knew, um, you know, she raised, you know, single parent background household. She raised me and my three siblings, um, uh, and I think she knew that that there was a lot of energy that I had and it needed to go out somewhere. And also, she just didn't want me to go on on road. And it's still, I did bounce on road. I did touch road a bit, but I never went in deep. I was always known as the the actor boy, right? So I got these, you know, these real goons, right? Who I was around. And someone would be like, yeah, man, yeah, you're doing your thing, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep doing, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I, and I remember that. And, you know, there were a few hairy moments that I was in, you know, I'm, I'm not a grade A gangster. I will never say I am, but I was, you know, in some hairy moments at times um and i remember just really thinking and feeling that actually this isn't for me that actually there's too much love and too much that i want to pour into to, at the time acting um and my mom knew that as well and so you know whatever money she had or whatever time she had to be able to kind of support that she did mm. um, even though she was going through everything she was going through, some of which I may never know, mm. you know? Well, yeah. and then what do you think in terms of, like, the difference between you and them? So, you know, when you mentioned that, like, you had too much love to give and too much things to pour into, like, to even have that awareness, what was the difference between you and, I don't know, fictionally think of a guy in your head, you know, who didn't make it? What was the difference between you and that person? Um... That's a, such an interesting question. I think about this brother who I grew up with um, in the in the in the wasn't in the hood. I think I'm really taking myself back there. So I lived on an estate um, in near Homerton, right? And this, so you did grow up near me, guy. Huh? I'm a Hackney boy, life as I'm well. I'm telling what? you, I was the guy, bruv. I was the guy who went to your primary school. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm sure I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, where, where, where in Hummer and what estate is it? Is it Kingsmead? No, Gascoigne. Oh, right, right, directly opposite where I live now. <laughs> yeah. That's mud. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Um, yeah, my, my mum's there, bro. My mum's there. I'm there every now and then as well. So that's funny. Wow. Um, so yeah, I so this brother and I remember like he he was like in and out of juvie and there was a time where <laughs> I'll never forget this time where uh it was a bit it was a weird little kind of relationship that we had because it was like some months we were cool, other months he just wanted to stab me. And um I'm not even joking, he brought a knife to my door and um wanted to, yeah do me bro um and i remember that day because i was you know you're young you're in your early early teens and i was like you're bringing up my life and my mom's here and i bought out a kitchen knife and it's all that kind of madness and blah 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 it's just just madness but then he it's all energy you know he had energy and he had something to say and he didn't know how to say it and he didn't know where to place his energy 
And energy can come out in different ways. It can come out in and through anger. It can come out in and through love. It can come out through an expression of an art. The axis that he felt, the only axis that he felt and that that he was available to him was one that was also available to me and that I knew of very flipping well because of my circumstances with my dad and X, Y, and Z. But I was able through support even though it was hard to to, 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 to to make my main portal be active. Mm. And I had people around me who were also from the hood, like Daniel, like all of them, who were doing the same thing. Mm. So you see, I've got people around my area who are in that life, right? Right, in that life, entrenched, got all this, got this what they're going through right and then i got people where i'm going seeing that they're on tv and doing this and 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 you know doing something that they love Mm. right and i and for me there's no there's no difference between me and him i'm not better i'm not worse i'm i just was able to um have the opportunities and you know even though it's crazy because i even think about this now even though i you know there was a lot of support that i didn't have or that young black boys don't have especially no thought of a mother's you know no thought of a mother or any you know when you're coming when you're growing up in a single parent um, household in a working class environment in the hood it's not easy right and it's and and that support things are gonna things are gonna slip past you're gonna go through puberty you're gonna go through things and 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 the, your, your mum may not be able to know how to support you through every step of that stage mm. and so um yeah, I guess I just was able to like. Yeah, there's no difference between me and him, man. Um, it's energy, and um, he was locked into a certain type of energy that he felt it, he couldn't see out of, and I was locked into a type of energy that I couldn't see out of. I was like, I have to do this. I have to act. I have to get on. I have to get on. And then I went. I got onto my first job. It was this little BBC thing, and I remember getting my first check. It was like just over five hundred pounds, and I was like. I remember being on MSN Messenger saying to my friend, yo, I just got the check for this BBC thing. It's 510 pounds. He was slightly jealous as well. So that, that caused the fact that started to fracture the relationship because he's like, what? But I remember, I remember. Mm. And I was like, wow, I can get paid and do something I love. What, what, so, what yeah. is it? I think it's so, one of the things I think is really important is that us as black men, like what it takes for us to show up in the power that we show up in, it takes a lot. Um, and we've we've been through things that whenever I try to communicate it, maybe I communicate it so much that I start to feel like it doesn't necessarily add weight. But the stuff you mentioned is is that you had a, someone actually threaten your life on your own doorstep, the one place that you're meant to be safe. And like, you know, you, you're surrounded by people who don't really have much goals and visions. Um, and it's really difficult to navigate. And it, it doesn't really leave you or did it, or does it leave you? So how um, how how did you find that experience of like navigating all of those things? Because sometimes when I try to communicate it, um, I feel like I'm not necessarily bringing it new justice in terms of the perspective. But inherently, you're talking about someone threatening your life on your doorstep of your home where you're supposed to be safe. And you're around people constantly who don't necessarily have a direction. Does that sense of not fear but imbalance or that that living in that type of world does it ever leave you 
and has it left you? I mean, yeah. Okay, so this is really interesting. Um, I think there is a there is a deeper, deep rooted thing that it leaves, and that perhaps is manifests itself in scarcity, the idea and the feeling of scarcity, and the idea of feeling that you know, even though the work that I've put in is like you know. Like everyone who's out here doing this, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You kind of like, okay, wait, who's is this? I'm going to take all this away from me at some point. Mm. And I don't think it's just to do with being, you know, growing up in that environment. It's also just, you know, what it is to 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 to, to wear the skin that we do in some sense, right? And be successful um, because of the 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 the, the doors and the trials and tribulations. Um, that it's like okay, so when you do get that, or when you do achieve X, Y, and Z, you then don't necessarily have time to really sit into that, and you because you have to keep thinking about the next thing. At least that's what I've I've found myself that I've I've really that's a story that has uh, tied itself into my into my um, into the sinews of who I am that I'm working through and that I'm trying to understand. Um, I. I don't think it necessarily does ever leave, um, but I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there's a lot of things that we go through that that are hard and that don't necessarily leave us, but they don't lead us, right? And so mm. I'm not led by that fear. I'm now led by you know the love, the heart, the soul of what it is that I want to do and the love, the heart and the soul of all the creative experiences that I've had making and doing what I love. And mm-hmm. I think that's what really ultimately leads me. It's a new, it's a new narrative. It's a new story that I'm building project by project, day by day, breath by breath, you know? So to tell me about Samskara, you've, you've created um, an incredible piece of art. What, for the audience, what is it that led you to create it and what's the synopsis of it? Um, Samskara is is a, is something that didn't come to me in one night. Some people get these ideas where, oh, I've got this idea. It didn't come to me in two years, three years. It was something, it was, amalgama- it was an amalgamation of these different moments that happened in my life, some of which I didn't even... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. 
Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even though we're creating Samskara, right? And so I always talk about... Um, a couple of key moments where where it seemed like um, these were really kind of like uh, jumping off pads for this for this for this thing this show, um, which is a, a conversation I had with my dad. Um, a very very revealing um, conversation I had with my dad, um, uh, which which as as a Nigerian boy growing up. In, um, in, in in you know my dad was old school is old school you know the beats the holding buckets of water the you know x y and z and um you know he wasn't uh, consistently present in 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 Aya or my siblings life and uh, me as a as a as a young black boy growing up through puberty and that there was a lot of feelings of resentment and anger that started to brew in my heart my soul and as I grew older, I started mm. to really feel that, and it started to um, started to come out in in different little ways that I started to notice, and I could feel it. Most importantly, um, cut a long story short, I think it was about yeah, it was about twenty. Ooh, I was twenty five when I when I had this conversation with him, and yeah, I just sat down and I just. Um, <laughs> I told him everything how I felt but you know I say I told him half of it was shouting because I just went in I went in and you know it was mm. this, this this little boy this Nigerian boy was was now a man and now able to look his father in the eyes and tell him this and this and this feeling and that and this and let you this and all these things and I just I said it all um and he felt it um and he just um, he apologized and he started to he just he started to wow. speak about his father. He started to wow. speak about his father, and in that in that circumstance, I don't know what I came into that conversation expecting. I did not expect that. He started to think. He started yeah. to speak about his father, and he started to he started to like. Um, he started to say, "Oh, all I all I know was how my father was with me," and he started to talk about his upbringing, which he's never talked to me ever about. When the, the moments we have talked, and and as he was telling me that, I just started to, um, I don't know, I was looking into his eyes, and 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 I was just, I just started to kind of see this lineage of of how his father was with him, and then how my grandfather's grandfather my grand great great grandfather was with 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 his father and just the whole cycle of 
fatherhood that's that's and the lineage of fatherhood in my family that's been passed down and then I suddenly saw myself in the car and, and asked myself okay Lanray what, what next what are you going to pass over and I just thought to myself the generational mm. cycles of fatherhood and the things that we pass over without knowing that we're doing that and you know I do one day you know God willing when I have a have family and be a father and I was like wow what am I what am I going to pass over you know and so that was a question that was a question and a lot of the work that I do is about questions and trying to answer questions or trying to find different perspectives and so that was a really big question in a moment that that stayed with me and that's rooted in samskara and then another is a um i did these workshops in um hmp thameside prison um some years ago over six weeks um and there were predominantly black men in 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 the space and I was brought in to kind of get them to explore uh, physicality, sensitivity, vulnerability through movement. They didn't know that at the start, but that was what I was tasked to do, right? Get these men to move in a physical way and connect with each other in 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 an environment that doesn't promote vulnerability in any way, shape or, or form. Um, that was an experience and a half. Um, this, you know, it could be... 10 podcasts just about that experience in itself man um because it was pretty it was pretty life altering and again we talked about mirrors at the start of this and i got a big mirror held up to myself and and also held up to to us as black men that that i didn't know i i needed to hold up um and yeah there was just one time there was this guy in this session um you know and i'm i'm very an empath and I also listen not just with the ears but with the body I, I I listen to people's bodies and it sounds a bit woo-woo but body language is 60% of how we communicate as human beings so it's actually not woo-woo because it's scientific so and I listen and I look and I mm. and I see and so from the beginning of these the first first couple three four weeks I could see that he held the status not just how he moved but how the the men related to him, right? Physically, you could see. And when I'd ask them to try things, I could see eyes twitching towards him and him reacting and then not necessarily taking the, taking the you know, wanting to jump in because of his reaction or just wanting to jump in deep enough. And anyway, so he held the status in this, in this, in this group. And I was very, it was a very clear. Um, and I remember this, this day, like it was yesterday, man. Um, we ran around the circle and, and um, something I do creatively and in every space that I, I am developing, developing a project and that I wanted to bring in for this is that I do check-ins, right? So we sit down in a circle, we just check in, we go around and we say, what, checking in? And you just talk about how you're feeling, how any, you know, things that are going on for you that you want to talk about and open out to. I, it could just be what you ate in what you had for breakfast. It could just be how you feel, whatever. And we got to this brother, and his head was down. His his body was closed, and he was just rocking back and forward, forwards. And and we were asking. We just went to him. and was like, "All right, man. Yeah, whenever you're ready, just check in." And he just said he didn't say anything. He was just rocking back and forth, nodding his head. And then eventually he. He looked up and he just said, I'm tired of being strong. 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 He just kept repeating it. I'm tired of being strong. And I was like, 
Well, I mean, I don't know what I was like. I just, I, <laughs> I, I, um, the room just was silent. I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. And it was so interesting because this guy, this man, this black man, we black men hold so much and feel like we need to be strong for various reasons. And he was able to, in this space, for some reason, in this sacred space, while he was in prison, and while he still knew, you know, he had all his his armor, was able to peek through the layers of that armor and allow his feelings to speak and allow that to speak in his words. And I just thought, mm. wow, I haven't been a part of circles like this as a black man, black, black male circles where people are eventually able to release the pain or release the things that they think or that they felt that they needed to hold on to their whole life. Um, yeah. And so that was another moment, another big moment. Um, and so those were the two key moments. I just, this piece is, is, is a show that explores, you've got four generational generations of, of, of black men who are, who are trying to, who are trying to untangle some things that they've realized at this moment when they all enter into this space, this mystical space, they realize that, hold on, I've been holding on to something that doesn't feel right or, or a concept or a feeling. Um, and I'm stopping myself from achieving or, or, or grasping onto something, whether that be joy, love, abundance, and whether that be like the way that they've been as a father, as a friend. But it also talks about it also talks about that word joy, right? It talks about that sacred, beautiful spud between black men that isn't tall. It talks about the head nod between black men that isn't tall. It talks about uh, the feeling of being in a Nigerian uh, wedding and the dance and the movement and the energy that flows between black men and black people in a in a in a moment of celebration. It, it explores that through words and through movement, and it interlinks both pain and joy both abundance and fear, you know, um, in a way that I, that feels so honest and truthful to the black experience and specifically the black male experience. And it's something that I wanted to do. It's not just pain. It's not just struggle. It's also joy, you know, um, and mm. that's what the head nod is. There's so much in the head nod, you know, there's a moment, you know, and black men will know this and black boys where you're walking down the street, you'll clock eyes with another brother. And sometimes there's a head nod. Sometimes there's just eyes that are just keeping on each other. Keeping yeah. on each other. You don't have that with white men. You're all white people. And black when black boys and black men really deep it, it's real. Yeah? And we don't talk about that. No one talks about this, you know? No one talks about what that is. Because it's something. It's something. And Akala said it beautifully. One of the things that is, is like when he's walking down the street and I'm paraphrasing, did a talk, he said, when I, when I, when I, when the head nod is not just, uh, you know, an, a, a kind of a silent acceptance that, yeah, racism exists and we've got a coherent experience of it, right? It's also... Sorry, I was, we were such dickheads to each other, bruv. I don't know if I can swear on it, can I? Mm, yeah, yeah. But that's what... It, that's what... That's what... That's what you... That's, it's that little... two Between two adult black men. Uh, and I think he mentioned one of them had a child or something like that, right? And and that nod changes as you grow. I, and, you know... Oh, man. So... It talks about all those things that actually we as black men don't talk about. And it, and it really dives deep into things like the head nod and the sometimes that small moment of tension 
that can be broken with a head nod, which no one talks about between black men and and um and the beauty of the of the spud and the beauty of the of the the, the brother hug with the with the small tap on the back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um so yeah. yeah. It's so real. I love that. Thank you so much for the answer. That means a lot um, no. to what we're trying to really experience, even for us as a podcast. Like, we're trying to stay in that space because I think it's important for us to acknowledge that we came from somewhere that wasn't, you know, built on peace and love and opportunity. Mm. And so it's almost like we're survivors of something and then we're expected to be these highly functioning, highly supported, loving, you know, mm. free spirit, um, connected men. And, you know, it impacts our personal relationships. It impacts our relationship with our kids. It impacts our, our, mm. our relationship with our community. And the language around it is almost just like, yeah, we'll go do the work then. And um, anyone that's ever done any form of work stream, yeah, it's a lifelong thing. It doesn't end. Mm. You know, I'm eight years in and I still discover things where I'm like, man, I thought I was okay. Like, I thought I was okay in these environments. But I'm not. If, if there's too much movement in an area... And I see people crossing the road funny and mad. Like, you know when you go to Kensington, people don't really cross the road out of the order of the roads. They follow the order of mm-hmm. the road. Like, this is the crossing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till I get to the crossing and I go there. You go to Pickham mm-hmm. and Braxton, Bre- Bre- Brixton and Peckham, and people are just dashing across the road, darting Sideways, in between man. cars. <laughs> yeah, just like, get, just getting where they're going to get to. And then you realise, yeah, that like those movements are synonymous with a particular area and a particular mindset of like, we're not going to follow the rules. And in those places, you've got to be on guard. And then you try to explain that to someone of how a 38-year-old man or a 40-year-old man can still be presenting as a 16-year-old. It's because we've never been made safe since that day. No one's ever said it's going to be okay. No one stopped us in the street and said, you know what, it's over, you know. That 16-year-old that came to your house with a knife, he's not coming back. He don't know where he is. He's moved on. Do you know what I mean? And there's no, there's no repair... And so when you try to find connection and justice in society, it doesn't, there's no empathy or very little empathy. Mm. And there's mm. no real uh, t- chance to reconnect with people. So when I create my men's spaces, it's that. We did an exercise where we looked at each other in the eyes. We were walking around looking at each other in the eye for a minute. Hmm. Every guy lost his mind. He was like, I've never done that before. I've never looked at any mm-hmm. man in his, in his eye for longer than a minute before. How can you love yourself if when you see a version of yourself, you've not connected to it in a deep way? Whether it be yeah. like homophobia, fear of being weaker, whatever the thing is, we just don't connect as men. And then like when mm. we do, you start to see this beautiful experience of just like discovery of what they've missed out on for 20 years because they never thought it was okay just to be like, I want a hug. Like I want, I want my extended hug from you, bro. Like that's, that has as much meaning as it is that coming from a woman, a maternal figure, a girl I'm trying to date, someone with a fat ass, someone with a smiley eyes and smells like Michelle Obama dipped in Rihanna. Like we, we put so much energy into women mm. and like making them our safe space here that, that we become a threat to them. Mm. And it's a real, real problem mm. in, in terms of like creating peace between men and women specifically black men and women, mm. we really got to stop falling into other black women as our safety space, safe space. Like, it's not fair on them. And, and and to be honest, I don't think they're equipped to deal with us in our worst. Like, you know, you see if you, yeah, right now, if you got, if you were just like, Marvin, I hear what you're saying, but like, fuck this shit and you banged the table and you got up and walked out, yeah? 
I wouldn't mm. move. I wouldn't shimmy. Nothing would happen for me. I would know where you're mm. at. I would know that you're challenged. I'd want to come and find you. I'd call you on your phone. Be like, bro, mm. I understand. But if you do it with mm. a feminine energy, yeah, it's not really their ability to be able to hold and know whether that's going to mean something later on. Are you going to attack me? Are you going to punch mm. me in my face with all your might? Do you know what I mean? Like you're going to throw me across the room and I can't stop mm. you. So now they're mm. worried about themselves. They can't hear that you're in pain. They can just hear that this could be a really difficult situation for me and I might be in danger. So it doesn't mm. make them, and I'm not saying that as a negative, that's just authentic. That's just like what it is. And so mm. when, when we're having these moments here, like we're having these reflective times and we're asking each other questions, you need to do it in male spaces. But like controlled male spaces where genuine there is love and desire for you to come out of the other side yeah. and, and for better. So I think that would be really yeah. good. No, it, it really, really is. And it's funny because like I, I about two years ago, I realized that I was like trying to be the man that my mum needed to everybody though, to every woman, every black woman. The, the man my mum needed in 88, 87, 86, 85, 84, in my formative years, yeah, I was like, I'm trying to be that for any black woman that needs it because I don't think it's fair. Yeah. But inherently, yeah, all I really needed to do is just spend more time with my mother and listen to her. Like, mm. it was just like, it was this performative yeah. mission of like, I'm going to help black women, yeah. But like, I hadn't repaired enough to be able to stand in a space with a group of black women and be peaceful. So my methods still aren't aren't where they need to be. I'm still not able to hold that. I wasn't able to hold that space properly. And I wasn't able to deal whenever things were going, becoming volatile. But when they went left, I was like, what is this? Mm. Do you know what I mean? I remember one time there was these two women, they were arguing about their own things. And they both came to me for counsel. And I was just like, I'm not, no, don't come to me. You deal with it. Do you mm. know what I mean? And I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm in their life like, yo, I'm here for you. What do you need? That's what they needed. They, need, they needed yeah. they, they needed help counselling what was going on. And I was just like, this sounds beneath me. It's petty. Like I was in somewhere else. And then in that, they ended up just like getting annoyed at me instead. And I became the focus point of whatever was going on. And so huh. what I realised is, is that when like my presence, even mine, which is a, a thoughtful, conscious presence, presence that really wants the best for everyone around me and someone that's like incredibly loving, like until you're fully repaired with certain things, certain big things, you haven't started it, you can't hold space in certain places. You just can't. You need to get out of the way and let people do their work. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. So when I see your art, it makes me think about the work men need to do. Yeah. And, and look, it's, it's happening. It's happening, but it's happening yeah. slow. There aren't that many spaces for men to lean into. There's way more spaces for you to go in and say stupid stuff like, yeah, Will Smith should punch Chris Rock in the face. And like, there's more of those platforms available than those of us, you know, but why though? Yeah. Like that, that whole thing took me on a journey because when, when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, protect your wife. Cause I'm thinking about my wife and I'm thinking about someone referencing her. And I, I'm going to want to, I've wanted to do that before. People are dishonoring your family. You want to drag them off stage and be like, yo, but you don't even think about the other side. Like, and, uh, and I know Chris is neurodiverse. You start thinking about the experience that he has to go through, his family have to go through in him being handled in that way, being emasculated in that way. And what that does to perpetuate more of us, like I think people were started reacting 
from their own lives. It wasn't even about mm. Will, Will and Chris anymore. It was about their lives and things that had happened to them and how did they respond and what justice did they want? And, mm. it, and it all came out in the dialogue. And I think we never really got to a, like a, 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 an understanding. It was more just about, I'm hurt. And that watching that hurt me or watching that reminded me of what I wish I was able to do when somebody um, dishonored me. So there was a and lot think, of subtext yeah. that happened. And I think it also talks about, I don't know, there's something about it, it being an act of violence between two black men that, that, that I think, I mean, look, this show <laughs> explores and I, I won't go into too much detail, but it does explore what it is to be hit in an Afro-Caribbean household to hit your child, mm. right? Because it's so normalised. It's so normal. And I got beat left, right and centre and my siblings got beat left, right and centre. But there was this one time with my sister. It's in the show, man. I don't want to talk too much about it. But like, there's this one time, man, where cross the line, man. Cross the line. Mm. It was too much. It was too much. Right? And we, we, <laughs> we ran in, me and my siblings ran in and shouted at him, stop. Mm. And something happened that I did not expect and that my siblings didn't expect. And I'm not going to tell you what happened because mm. I just, it's, it's giving, it's saying too much. But I, I, I love, I, 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 if, if people come to this show, I'd love them to holler at me. I, after when they realize what 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 happened because i think it says it says a lot it says a lot man um but yeah sorry brother i cut you off you you were saying no 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 look thank you i think um what you're expressing and what you've expressed throughout this whole podcast is that there's a real human element to the art that you've created and it's like the suspense that we've almost like we're, we're insinuating to people to lean into is enough like Go mm. see this play. Go see it. And um, it's it's funny, man, because I feel... And this is why I say I feel like there's a kinship between you and I because I think I get your story inherently by the energy you present me. Like, I know, I feel like I know you. And then oh. that makes me want to go see it. But, like, for those people that don't have that connection and affinity to black men, to know them like that, then I'm telling you to go and see this and understand us much better. Like, it just will be mm. a really beautiful experience. And then I'd love to have the dialogue myself about what it is that mm. people are experiencing. So, yeah, thank you so much for making it. Is there is there anything else you need people to know and tell them where they can go get tickets and where they can go find out more? Yeah. Well, what I will say, just to, 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 to piggyback off what you said, is the show is returning. So it was on last year. It had an incredible run. It was sold out. It, you know, we had to extend it. It was incredible. People were ringing the, the theatre, which is called The Yard, left, right and centre. And importantly, it weren't just black people, right? There were people who were going in that saying and coming out and having conversations with me about their relationship with their father and their mother, because we do talk about women a bit in this. And 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 that I came into this going, this is an unapologetically black lens, black male physicality lens. But I'm also going to talk about where where women come into this picture at times, because I think that's important, um, and ultimately want to land and have a moment of healing. So something happens at the end, this physical thing that happens, which is all about healing and healing through generations of, of, of the way that people are fathered or mothered 
is something that is universal. Yeah, when you get to look at yourself and go, oh, I've picked, I, I, this has been passed down to me through my mother and her mother and etc. etc. How do I break this and heal? <laughs> right? And it's a question that I feel like is universal to so many people. And so, yeah, I, I, I again, I don't want to say too much. Hopefully, I said enough. I will say that, um, yeah, it's running at the Yard Theatre, which is in Hackney. Book, book. Uh, and so it's just outside, pretty much around the corner from uh, Hackney Wick Overground Station. It is from the 27th of June to the 23rd of July. Um, and, you know, we've got a couple shows which are just open. They're called 100 Black Men. They just they just open just for young black boys, teenagers and men. And we did it last year and it was it was it was incredible. It was unlike anything I've experienced before to sit in a venue that typically black people and typically young, you know, working class black men have never seen for them a theatre and to be able to sit together and experience something that is talking directly to them. And then we had this incredible Q&A afterwards was unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. And my Lord, I've experienced a lot. And so I encourage young, you know, boys, black men, far, you know, fathers and sons to, to come to, to that show. If you're, if you're up for really having that experience, we've got two evenings, which you, if you go onto the website, the Yard website, they'll give you the, the specific dates of those evenings. But it doesn't have to be those nights. It could be any night throughout, throughout the run. Um, come through and um, uh, come heal, come talk and come be and come see yourself, man. So, yeah. That's really dope. Thank you so much, Landry. I really appreciate you. Um, and I look forward to seeing what the feedback is from this next run. Uh, and hopefully it's all sold out as well so we can do another one. Most appreciate yes, bro. Big love. I appreciate you, Marvin, and I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, one quick thing. I, I listened to, you know, Dot Black Dads during the R&D of this show in 2018, bro. Uh, I listened to a lot of episodes and it was something, I've told you this personally, mm. but I want to tell you this on air as well. So, uh, what you're doing is beautiful. What you continue to do is beautiful. And it's in power, strength, and it's in healing and seeing each other in a way that we've maybe hid from in the past. So I, I'm thanking you, bro. I'm thanking you and, and press on. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for saying that. Dope Black Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.